Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask through the worthiness of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ruth, a subversive romance. Episode three, Boaz. In the fifth century BC, when Ezra and Nehemiah enacted a controversial policy requiring Israelite men to divorce their Moabite wives and send away their children, someone composed a subversive romance that we know as the book of Ruth. It's the story of two widows, Naomi of Bethlehem and her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabite. These two widows have returned back to Bethlehem from Moab. And in an effort just to survive, Ruth, the younger of the two, goes out into the fields to glean during the barley harvest. Now by chance, she ends up in the field of one Boaz. Boaz is a wealthy, prominent, middle-aged man, a landowner. And Ruth catches the eye of Boaz, who is now keen to bestow on her various favors. He's got his eye on this young widow. That's when Naomi, the mother-in-law, decided it was time to press the issue. And she tells Ruth, behold, Boaz is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Naomi says to Ruth, you know, Boaz is a relative of my late husband, Elimelech. God rest his soul. And as a relative of my husband, he has the right to redeem our inheritance. And Boaz, he's a wealthy man, he has the capacity to do it. Ruth, that would be our salvation. It would also mean that he would marry you. so that the name of Elimelech and your husband, your late husband, Maon, 
is not lost. That's, it's a law that we have in this land. It's how we do things. Now, Ruth, tonight, Boaz will be threshing barley at the, at the threshing floor tonight. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, take a bath. Put on some perfume. Put on your best dress. And after the sun has set, I want you to go to the threshing floor. Don't be seen. Stay in the shadows. And when the winnowing is all done, the work's all done, the grain is all piled up, Boaz will eat and drink. It's a harvest ritual. It's a harvest celebration. You wait until his heart is merry. Know the place where he lies down, but do not let yourself be known to the man. Go to him, uncover his feet, and lie down at his feet. Then he will tell you what to do. Did I tell you that this, this mini-series on Word of Life, Netflix, Hulu, is rated TVMA? This is for mature audiences. The nocturnal encounter between Boaz and Ruth at the threshing floor hints at an erotic experience. But pointedly, such an experience is not consummated. This is what Naomi is communicating to Ruth when she euphemistically says, know the place where he lies down, but do not let yourself be known to the man. Naomi is saying to Ruth, when he lies down, you go lie down by him, but don't let him lie with you. That's what she's saying. Now, this, there's obviously an amount of risk in Naomi's risque plan. But she's willing to take the risk because she knows Boaz. Boaz is a relative of her late husband. She knows him. She's been to family reunions with him. She knows what kind of guy he is. Naomi is telling Ruth how to communicate to Boaz her willingness to become his bride. And Naomi is counting on Boaz to act honorably. That's the plan. That's what's going on. So now it's it's midnight at the threshing floor. Ruth takes a bubble bath, puts on her Chanel number no. five, and a little black dress. You got you to play along with my anachronisms. After the sun has set, she goes to the threshing floor. This is outdoors, you understand. But she's hidden herself. She's in the shadows. Boaz doesn't know she's there. And she watches him as he winnows the barley. And then when it's all done, the grain is all gathered and piled in neat little piles. 
Then there's a harvest ritual. He's going to spend the night there. And he eats a hearty meal and drinks plenty of good wine. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down by the heap of grain. All right, so she, he's eaten, he's drunk his wine, he's laying down by the heaps of grain. She knows where he is. It's dark, but he, she knows where he is. She waits till he's asleep. She's listening till his breathing becomes slow, deep, and regular. And then she goes to him, uncovers his feet, and lies down by him. At midnight, Boaz turns over. You can imagine the surprise. He's startled. There is a woman lying by him. When he laid down there, there was not a woman. But now there's a woman lying by him at midnight on the threshing floor. He started, he said, who are you? Well, Boaz knows Ruth, but doesn't recognize her in the dark. And Ruth says, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Boaz says, what do you want? Ruth whispers, spread your wing over your maidservant, for you are a redeeming kinsman. In last week's episode, when Boaz is in the field with Ruth, He says this, he blessed Ruth by saying, may you have a full reward from Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. This is significant. This is what Boaz says to Ruth, the Moabite. Now the Bible says, the Torah says, Deuteronomy 23.3 says, that if you have even one ancestor 10 generations removed who was a Moabite, you are excluded from ever belonging to the assembly of Israel. But that is not an opinion that Boaz shares. Boaz says something very different. He says to a full-blooded Moabite, this isn't somebody that, you know, maybe back 10 generations might have one Moabite ancestor. This is a Moabite woman. And Boaz says to her, may you have a full reward, not a partial reward, not a second class reward, not one tenth. May you have a full reward from Yahweh, who are we talking about, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come for refuge. Well, this is, this is an important part of the story. You kind of wonder if, if Ezra and Nehemiah ever read this book. <laughs> I like to think of it, it wasn't, but you know, play along with it. I like to think of it, it was a play. That this author here is a playwright and they staged it. And there's the scene where Boaz in the field says to Ruth, 
May the Lord give you a full reward. Yahweh, the God of Israel, give you a full reward under whose wing you've come for rescue. And Ezra and Nehemiah are going, wait a minute. She's a Moabite. Well, it's clear that Boaz and the author of this lovely subversive romance shares a generous theology of God's love. That no matter what the Torah might say, somebody here believes that God's love is so generous that it can be extended even to Moabite widows. So sometime earlier, Boaz had said to Ruth, may you have a full reward from Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And now this woman who is laid down by him at midnight, when he asks her, what do you want? She whispers, spread your wing over your maidservant, for you are a redeeming kinsman. Ruth is asking Boaz to spread his wing over her in marriage. But she's not going to say it that direct. She's more subtle. But that's what she means. She's offering herself for marriage and that would thereby redeem the inheritance of her late husband, Malon. We're talking about a thing called Leverite marriage. Leverite marriage. I know you haven't heard that. Uh, it's a type of marriage in which a relative of a deceased man is obligated to marry his relative's widow if they didn't have any children. Leverite marriage was practiced by societies with a strong clan culture like ancient Israel. It's, it's a way that they would keep inheritance and land and property within the same clan. And so here we are, midnight at the threshing floor. Boaz has been startled that there's a woman by him, finds out it's Ruth. What do you want? She says, Spread your wing over your maidservant, for you are a redeeming kinsman. And they have a conversation there at the threshing floor at midnight. Boaz says, Ruth, your loyalty to your husband's family is amazing to me. You stayed with your mother-in-law. Your sister went back home. You stayed with your mother-in-law. And now you're doing what you can to try to keep the inheritance in the family. And he says this. He says, and, and I'm happy that you didn't go after one of the young men. No doubt you could have got one. But you didn't go after the any of the young men, whether rich or poor, because you have a devotion to this family. That's commendable. Ruth, you're a worthy woman. And I will do everything you ask. But I'm not the closest relative. 
I'm like a second cousin to Elimelech. I knew Elimelech. There's another man here in Bethlehem who's a first cousin. And he has the first right to be the kinsman redeemer. I'll talk to him tomorrow. And if he is unwilling to redeem you, then I will. Now lie down. Ruth awakens in the morning just as it's getting light. Boaz says, you need to go now. And it, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to be seen leaving the threshing floor. So you, you need to go home now. Go back to Naomi. I'll talk to this man today. But you go home now, but don't go home empty-handed. Here, hold out your cloak. And Boaz filled it with six measures of grain. And he kind of ties it up and puts it on her back so she can carry this grain home. And so Boaz and Ruth part from the threshing floor. Boaz is going to go tend to this matter. Ruth is going home. Ruth gets home. She walks in the house. Naomi's sitting in the kitchen with a cup of coffee. I don't think she slept at all. I, I think she was up all night. And the moment, the moment, you know, the moment Ruth walks in, there's Naomi in the kitchen with her cup of coffee. She says, how did things go? How did things go? How did things go? Th that's what it says in my Bible. How did, how did things go? That's not what it literally says. What it literally says is that Naomi says, who are you? Who are, she knows who Ruth, well, it's not, it's not who are you, it's whose are you? Whose are you? What she's saying is, are you married? That's what she's saying. Are you married? And Ruth says, I don't know. And she tells the story of all that happened and then says, but there's, there's another relative that's closer related. And so Boaz is going to go talk to him today. I don't know. And Naomi says, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. This man won't rest until he settled things today. Meanwhile, Boaz has gone to the gates of the city. It's like the town square. It's, it's where the prominent men would gather for business and legal matters. Boaz has got there early. He sits down. He's waiting for this particular man. It's one of his relatives because they're all the part of the same clan. Sure enough, he arrives. We're not told his name. Let's give him a name. Let's say... Let's call him Adam. So there's Boaz. He's sitting there in the gates of the city. Here comes Adam walking by. This is the one that is closer related to Elimelech. And Boaz says, hey, Adam, Adam, come sit down. I need to talk to you about something. Adam sits down with Boaz. Boaz says, you know, you know, Naomi, 
was back in Bethlehem. He said, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Man, that was something. Elimelech and then Chilion and then Mahon, they all died. Those are my cousins. It's a terrible thing. Yeah, it is. Well, anyway, um, Naomi wants to sell Elimelech's property. Now, you're the closest relative. Do you want to redeem it? Do you want to buy it and keep it in the clan? Adam said, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. I think, I'll, yeah, I'll do that. All right. You know, Adam, that means you have to marry Ruth the Moabite. Oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> Slow down there, Boaz. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, no, no, no. No, I can't do that. I mean, you understand, you understand I'm married <laughs> and I got a family. I mean, I'm just going to go home and go, honey, guess what? I'm getting married again to this young, pretty Moabite. No, no, this is not going to work. No, this is not going to work for me. I can't, I can't do that. That's a deal breaker. Boaz says, so then you are surrendering any claim to redeem the property of Amalek, Elimelech and Mahon and, and any claim to marry Mahon's widow, Ruth the Moabite. Yes, yes, I, I am surrendering any claim. Well, let's, let's seal the deal. Let's make it official. Ruth 4, verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. Let's pause there, give you a little commentary. This is one of the ways, there are other ways too, but this is one of the ways that we know that the book of Ruth was not written in the time of the judges. It's set in the time of judges, but it's not written in the time of the judges because the author has to explain this ritual that is no longer practiced. It had been practiced, but it is not practiced anymore, so he has to explain it. Now, this was formerly the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. Verse 8. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Malon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today, you are witnesses. And everybody affirms and says, yes, we are witnesses. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. That's the end of episode three. Episode four, the season finale. The series finale, my goodness, is the big one. 
is next Sunday. It's entitled Obed. Well, for all kinds of reasons, Adam, the one we're calling Adam, we just chose a name. For all kinds of reasons, Adam could not redeem Ruth. But Boaz could, and Boaz did. For all kinds of reasons, Adam could not redeem us. I'll go preach this a little bit. I've just been telling a story, but I'll preach just give me a couple of minutes to preach. For all kinds of reasons, the man we call Adam could not redeem Ruth, but Boaz could and did. For all kinds of reasons, Adam could not redeem us, but Jesus could. And Jesus did. I, I want to be your Naomi today. I want to give you a plan. You're in trouble. You need help. You need salvation. I'm going to be your Naomi and tell you what to do. First of all, you do not have to get cleaned up. Skip the bubble bath. It doesn't matter. You don't need to get cleaned up. You don't need any perfume or cologne. You don't need any of that. You don't need any fancy clothes. You don't need any of that. Just go to Jesus and lay down at his feet and just say, Lord, spread your wing over your servant. Spread your wing over your servant. And he will. And he will. He will spread his wing of redemption over you. And you'll belong to Jesus. And Jesus will take care of everything and set everything right. All right, that was the two-minute sermon. Amen. Stand up with me. Remember, we got one more episode. We got the season finale. It's not over yet. You think it? No, it is not over. We're going to actually get to the whole point of this whole story next Sunday. But now, well, let's just pray a moment. Just pray a moment. Maybe just close your eyes. Maybe open up your hands. And we'll make this our prayer. We'll say, Lord, spread your wing over your servant. Lord, spread your wing over your servant. Pray that. Lord, spread your wing over your servant. Come on, direct your prayer to Jesus. Lord, spread your wing over your servant. You got debts you can't pay. You're in trouble. You're not able to make it. Things aren't right in your life. Lord, spread your wing over your servant. And Jesus will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Jesus will. Lord, I thank you that you are our kin, our relative, and our redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. And now we're going to come to Jesus by coming to his table. Again, you don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to pretend. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I didn't grow up Baptist not to know that. So you come to Jesus. Just, just come honestly. Just come. Just, we're going to confess our sins. We're going to confess our faith, confess our sins. And then just come as you are to Jesus. Through the bread and the cup, partake of his flesh and blood. Partake of his life. He gives it to you freely. Amen. Join with me now in confessing our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 
He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now join with me in confessing our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.